Genesis chapter 40, I'd like to read verses 1 through 3 in your hearing. The Bible says this, It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison the place where Joseph was confined. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for each one that's here. We're thankful, first and foremost, for your presence. As we come to this time of this service this morning, the ministry of your word, pray that you will bless it. Help me to speak as your vessel and your instrument. Anoint these lips and this mind. And anoint each of us to hear, to receive, and to apply your word. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the thanks, and all the honor and the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we ask it today. And everyone said amen. Have you ever felt like someone has forgotten you? Have you ever felt... At times like God has forgotten you. Oh, I have. That won't make him mad for you to say that. The king's cupbearer was the person who tasted the wine and food before he, the king, drank or ate. That's not a job I would want. That way, if it was poison, so long cupbearer, but long live Pharaoh. He, the cupbearer, would not allow poorly prepared food to be served to the Pharaoh since he was responsible for watching the monarch's diet. And by virtue of the cupbearer's position, this led to a very close relationship. A relationship of trust between these two men. Oftentimes the cupbearer heard things that no one else in the kingdom ever heard. Because there was that close relationship and there was that camaraderie between them. Often the king would confide in the cupbearer. As you recall, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of his day, and he had a close personal relationship with him. In many ways, the cupbearer was the most trusted man of the court. If that trust was ever broken, you can be sure serious consequences were to follow. Apparently, something like that must have happened. Because the cupbearer to Pharaoh landed in jail. As did the king's baker. I don't know what those two guys done, what they were up to. But the two most significant people in the court ended up in jail. The baker, he was another person on whom the Pharaoh relied. Because whatever he prepared passed into the mouth of the Egyptian ruler. Now the specifics of what happened to bring all of this about, we're never told. The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is that they offended their Lord and he was furious with his two officials. And back in that day, when you made the king angry, you was put in jail, if not beheaded. You were fortunate if you got put in jail. Maybe the biscuits fell that morning and later there were too many jalapenos in the chili. I don't know. 
but something really bad happened and made the Pharaoh angry. Perhaps the cupbearer didn't warn Pharaoh that things weren't quite right. I would think it must have been related to the food as these two guys' jobs kind of intertwined. They were interrelated. But whatever it was, it made Pharaoh so angry that he said, Get out of my sight. I've had it with you two guys. And then both were thrown in jail. And since God's ways are deep and profound, don't forget that line. Since God's ways are deep and profound, it happened to be the same jail where Joseph was in prison. Isn't it absolutely remarkable how often God brings alongside us people who are going through or have gone through similar experiences that we're going through? And isn't it amazing when we are hurting, God brings alongside others who understand our pain and can minister to us? That is certainly true here in this case. Joseph and these two men may have ended up in prison for different reasons, but they found themselves in the same place, sharing similar miseries. And out of his own experience, Joseph was able to minister to these two men. However, I do want you to remember this was possible only because God was first and foremost in Joseph's life. If God had not been first and foremost in Joseph's life, it would have never worked out this way. Because he was free of bitterness, he became a useful instrument in the mighty hand of God. If there was any resentment or any hostility or any desire for vengeance in Joseph's heart, we don't find it in Scripture, and we read nothing about it in this narrative in Genesis chapter 40. And just for the record, I am convinced that it was not there. Somehow, in the midst of all of these things that Joseph endured and went through, he seen the hand of God in everything that transpired. Please notice how the plot thickens in Genesis chapter 40, verses 4 through 7. The Bible says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning, and he looked at them. And saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? I am in awe when I read these passages, simply because if anyone ought to have had a sad face, it should have been Joseph. His plight was much worse than theirs. They were there on a whim of the Pharaoh and surely would not be there forever. However, Joseph, on the other hand, had been accused by the chief executioner's wife and didn't know if he'd ever see the light of day again. But in spite of his own circumstance, he noticed the plight of these two men. I wonder, and I speak this for myself, how often I have missed the opportunity to minister to someone who was in desperate need because I was so caught up 
in my own issues and my own circumstances, I failed to see God, the opportunity God opened for me to be used. You see, when our heart is right, even though the bottom may have dropped out of our life, it is remarkable how sensitive we can be to somebody else in need if we would just allow God's Spirit to work in and through us. They don't have to spell it out. Rather than saying, you think you've got a lot, of complaint, lot to complain about, you need to listen to my tale of woe. Joseph said, hey guys, how come you're so sad today? What's wrong? Something bothering you? Was it something I said or something I'd done? He was, he was the big cheese in the jail. He had control of everything that went on. Now, I will admit, it may be stating the obvious to ask this in a dungeon, but it shows Joseph's ability to think beyond his own immediate cares and needs in order to minister mercy to others. One of the beautiful things about the right attitude is that with it, every day has some sunshine. Maybe we need to think about that. We don't have to have cloudless days for there to be sunshine days. I've often enjoyed repeating the true story of an incident in the life of Thomas Edison that I think really illustrates perfectly the benefits of a positive heart and attitude. Now, the only thing that kept Joseph's heart and his attitude right was his relationship with Almighty God. He wasn't some super Christian. He wasn't some super Bible hero that... But he had a relationship with God like none other. And that kept his feet anchored and planted in reality that God was at work in his life. Edison's son, Charles, writes of the, writes of the event about his father in his book titled The Electric Thomas Edison. And here's what son Charles had to say. He said, one December evening, the cry of fire echoed through the plant. Spontaneous combustion had broken out in the film room. Within moments, all the packing compounds, the celluloid for records, film, and other flammable goods had gone up with a whoosh. With a whoosh. He said, when I couldn't find Father, I became concerned. Was he safe? With all of his assets going up in smoke, would his spirit be broken? He was 67 years young and no age to begin anew. Boy, I can confess to that. Then I saw him in the plant yard. His son said he was running toward me. And he's hollering at Charles, where's mom? He shouted, go get her. Tell her to get her friends. They'll never see a fire like this again. Now this is me talking. Can you believe it? Rather than saying, oh God, what did I do to deserve this? Sixty-seven years I fight for to live my life, and this is what I get in return? No, he says, hey son, go get your mother. Go get her friends, get everybody together. This is one unbelievable sight. Look at the fire. You'll never see one like this again. Edison's son continues with the story. At 5.30 the next morning when the fire was barely under control, he called his employees together and announced, We're rebuilding. One man was told to lease all the machine shops in the area, another to obtain a wrecking crane from the Erie Railroad Company. Then almost as an afterthought, he added, Oh, by the way, anybody know where we can get some money? 
Later on, he explained, you can always make capital out of disaster. We've just cleared out a bunch of old rubbish. We'll build bigger and better on these ruins. With that, he rolled up his coat for a pillow, curled up on the table, and immediately fell asleep. True story. Joseph, and I said a lot to say this, Joseph did a similar thing. He said, how come you guys have such sad faces? What's going on in here? What can I do to help? And the Bible says this in chapter 40 and verse 8, And they said to him, We each had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. Now perhaps at this point, Joseph had to bite his lip when he heard him say that. They were worried about a dream they'd each had and could not interpret. Little did they know that they had the dreamer of all dreamers sitting in their midst. Then Joseph's loving God Loving God initiated a response. He said, do not, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Actually, I think it's rather amazing that Joseph would want to have anything to do with dreams. Don't you think? The last time he did that, remember what happened? He told his brothers about his dreams and it was Operation Pit City. He wound up in an Egyptian slave market. You might would think he would say, uh, not me guys, I'm off the dreams forever. Don't be coming to me about no dreams, I've had enough of that. But not Joseph. He said, oh really, a dream, huh? Well, tell me about it. This is what a life centered around Almighty God will do. It gets us beyond the common hurdles. It will clear the deck. It will free us from hang-ups. It will show us an opportunity for ministry where we, we never would have touched with a ten-foot pole. So Joseph says to them, only God can interpret dreams, but tell me about yours. So the cupbearer said this. Well, there was this vine that grew up, and it had three branches. It budded and it blossomed, and the clusters produced ripe grapes. He said, I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. Joseph, what in the world does that mean? So the Bible says in verses 12 through 15, And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. Watch this next phrase. But remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. Oh, here was Joseph's humanity emerging. I love it. I love this because it shows us that Joseph was a real person and not some plaster saint, not some biblical hero, not somebody above the achiness and hurt of all that he had gone through. He knew that sometimes an inmate got out of prison by knowing the right person. Imagine that. And nobody was closer to Pharaoh than the chief cupbearer. Hopefully when the cupbearer returned to Pharaoh's presence and had his ear again, he would say, Hey, Master, 
I just said, listen, there's a man you should, you should, you should look kind toward. I, I met him, you know, when you got mad at me and threw me, you got wag. Remember that? There's a guy down there, listen, you've got to meet this guy. When Joseph saw the cupbearer taken from prison, he must have thought, wow, now's my chance. Yes! This guy has Pharaoh's ear. And the first thing he'll do is when he gets a chance to talk to the Pharaoh, he'll tell him about me. When it seems you've been forgotten. This guy will get me out of here. We don't know whether Joseph knew what happened to these men, but when their release came within the predicted time, and we're not entering the baker into this conversation this morning. It doesn't serve its purpose for here right now, but they both were released, and you know the story if you've read much of the Bible. We don't know whether Joseph knew what happened to them, but... When they were released at the predicted time, he must have figured that with God's help, he had given the correct interpretation of the dreams. So he waited hopefully for his opportunity to be released and set free. Surely he anticipated the warden coming in and announcing, Joseph, I've got good news for you. You've been set free. You've been remembered and you've been vindicated. Days rolled by. Days went to weeks. Weeks went to months. And months went to years. Though he had done no wrong, though he had told only the truth, though he had specifically requested to be remembered, only silence prevailed. Joseph's long-awaited hopes were dashed. Verse 23 tells us, the last verse of this chapter tells us, Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. There's times when I feel it's hard to carry on. I remember, I think back, and rehearse in my mind the attitude that Joseph. Verse 1 of the next chapter tells us, Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. You talk about disappointment, and we've had them. Some of you are living through some right now. You're living through hurt, disappointment, anger, and things that are well beyond your control. Joseph, instead of being remembered and rewarded, he was forgotten for two more years. It's easy to overlook that little fact buried in the midst of all this, these dream sequences and their interpretations. But for two years after the cupbearer left, Joseph remained buried in that dungeon. Please notice, I emphasize, two full years, two long, monotonous, miserable years. How he must have thought he was that close to release and vindication because of his ministry and his interaction with the chief cupbearer. So what did Joseph think about during all of this time, these two years that drug by? Can you imagine? 
You've all had those months and those years where it seemed like, man, they seemed like an eternity. The human tendency would be this. Lord, will I be on hold forever? Oh, I've asked Him that many times. The tendency would be to say, I've never deserved to be here to begin with, but I didn't complain or try to escape. I also interpreted the dreams correctly and walked close to you month after month after month after month. I did what you wanted me to do. I've served you faithfully. What I said was true. I've maintained my integrity. Brother Dave, if you'll make your way forward. In fact, it seems perhaps like you have forgotten me as well. But those words never came from Joseph's lips. There was none of that from Joseph, the remarkable, God-loving, God-fearing man. Victimized again and again, he continued to wait. One day, God, I know. One day. I know. When the time is right, when your purpose is at fruition, the time will come when you will remember me. This remarkable, God-loving, God-fearing man, victimized, continued to wait. He continued to trust. He continued to hope. And he continued to lean on God. That's the best remedy that I can offer to you, my friend, is to continue to trust, continue to wait, continue to hope, and continue to lean on God. Joseph had no explanation as to why. He remained there and the chief cupbearer forgot about him. He had no idea. God didn't send him a telegram and notify him. Well, he, he forgot about you for right now, but just be patient. A little ways down the road, he'll remember. He had no idea. He didn't have any crystal ball he could look into and find all the answers to that situation. But because of his relationship and his trust in Almighty God, he just kept, I'm going to keep trusting you, God. I'm going to keep believing in you, God. He kept performing his duties in that old dark dungeon with perfection with integrity, with honor. Day after day, he kept walking in and doing his thing, doing what he knew to do. I don't know. I cannot stand here and tell you that I would have done what Joseph done. I cannot stand here and tell you today that I would not have had a bad attitude and a bad spirit. But I do know that Joseph's love for his God and his relationship with Him brought him through the darkest hours of his life. And it will bring us through the darkest hours of our lives. I can tell you of numerous occasions in my life, in this ministry, 
when it has only been my trust, my belief, and my confidence in God that brought me through. It's not because we're super Christians or we're super spiritual. But occasions and stories like this tell us that if we'll remain steadfast, committed and true, that at some point, the answer will come. Will you stand with me? Let's worship, Brother Dave. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life He controls, since I Oh.